Welcome to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. When President elect Joe Biden is inaugurated on January 20th, 2021, there will be immediate and long term implications for U.S. policy across the board. From potential day one executive actions to Biden's near term legislative priorities, the Brownstein team discusses how the first 100 days of the new government may unfold and what opportunities will exist for private-public collaboration as fresh policies are developed. Welcome back to the Brownstein podcast series. I'm Brian Wild, and today I am joined by my colleagues, uh, Carmen Sita Wander, Jeff Burr, and Nadim Elshami to discuss the first 100 days of the new administration and what we should expect to see in the coming months related to both process and policy. To a policy junkie, there's nothing more exciting than the beginning of a new Congress and the inauguration of a new president. Lots of moving parts, uh, competition to be the first issue out of the gate, and a whole host of new members and staffers jockeying for a variety of positions. There is a lot of talk about a first 100-day agenda But in reality, there are two different start dates, the day that Congress gets sworn in and begins work, and then two and a half weeks later, when the president is actually inaugurated. Nadim, you've been part of uh, inauguration days before. You've served as the chief of staff to Speaker Pelosi. You were with Senator Durbin's office. Congress is going to do some significant actions in those first few days of the new year. Can you kind of walk us through what that first week, two weeks is, is like and, and, and what we should expect at the beginning of 2021? Yeah, thank you so much, Brian. The first few days of a new Congress are exciting. They're long for the staff. Um, you know, back in the day, uh, pre-COVID, families were uh, there with uh, either newly elected members of Congress or old hands they're having um, constituents come in and visit. Uh, they're there with the speaker taking uh, pictures for mocks wearing in. There's a big line that goes around. And if you look at members of Congress's offices, you see those uh, everywhere. It's a scene to behold when members of Congress uh, are sworn on the House floor by the most senior member of, of the House, whether Republican or Democrat. But let me take a step back to get to where that first day, a lot of work is taking place even now. And before the beginning of new Congress, I could tell you that staff on both sides are actually working and they will be working the week between Christmas uh, and New Year's. They're preparing uh, their uh, various first day type of actions Uh, whether it's press conferences, whether it's legislation, whether it's changes that they want in the rules package. Uh, There are really two important votes um, the first day of any Congress. One, it's for the uh, vote for the speaker uh, and that uh, making sure that the speaker, um, you know, whoever is in the majority, their their, uh, leader has enough votes to become the speaker of the House. And then the second is for the rules package. And we anticipate that the rules package this year is going to be very similar to what it was two years ago when Democrats took charge and they put some uh, significant changes in place. Uh, we don't anticipate uh, to see, for example, any language in there on earmarks one way or the other, which actually leaves 
the door wide open for um, allowing earmarks to uh, to be uh, to be let in, whether by appropriations or by others. So there's there's no prohibition on on earmarks uh, in the rules package, and that's an interesting uh, development. I think we should keep an eye on it uh, as 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 leaders begin to have these types of discussions, and then uh, you know the the behind the scenes uh, types of actions at the moment are between. Um, the leaders uh, and the incoming administration about the priorities and how they're going to move, whether through committee or whether through the floor right away. Um, you know, in terms of HR one, the first bill out of the gate is going to be very similar to what Democrats did two years ago. Uh, it ensures uh, ability to have a, a you know what they call a cleaner government, a responsible government. Uh, it is uh, you know, a bill that unfortunately did not see the light of the day in, uh, in the uh, Republican Senate, but we'll see what happens in Georgia. That's some big changes. I, I, I admit that you know, an earmark ban, would, would uh, the, the lack of an earmark ban will significantly shift the power structure in Congress too, something to watch. That busy couple of weeks then takes us um, right up to Inauguration Day. January 20th, the moment when uh, the presidential transition gets the final handoff and shifts from planning to implementing a new administration. Jeff, you've been there a couple times. Most recently, you were involved in the Trump administration's transition in, in 2016. Walk us through that transition. What's it like when the new administration uh, finally gets the keys and, and begins to, to fill out staffing and, and so on. Sure. Yeah. So I, I was there on January 20th, uh, 2017. And it is pretty interesting what happens in this democracy and a peaceful transition of power. Uh, what actually happens about 30 minutes after the president takes the oath of office at each of the cabinet agencies and other large government, federal government agencies, what we call the landing team, uh, depending on the size of the agency, anywhere between 10 to 30 people show up at the department. They're greeted by the acting secretary, uh, somebody who is put in that position uh, by the senior career staff. They will designate somebody who's been there a long time and um, who, who's been through transitions to be the acting secretary. Um, the acting secretary will take them inside. He will then swear all them in. They will all take the oath of office. And there'll be a debrief. And throughout the process of a presidential transition, there, there's something that takes place where they look at all the things they'd like to do. You know, they've campaigned on all these issues. And where you tend to start out is what would be ideal? You'll start out if you're a Republican in transition and say, what would we do if Democrats didn't exist? What, what's the, you know, what would our approach be? And then you slowly, through the course of a transition, meander back to reality and say, okay, well, these are the things that we can reasonably do. And these are the things that would get us in all sorts of hot water or get all sorts of people upset if we did them or have all sorts of implications that we wouldn't want. The, the thing they'll be looking at when they get there after they're sworn in, they're going to have a list of regulations that are in progress and have not yet been finalized. And likely they're going to want to pause or pull back most, if not all of those, with some rare exceptions. They're also going to look at each department or, um, and what lawsuits they're involved in and see if they want to pause those or even change the government's position on them if they tend to disagree with them. They're also going to look at guidance that the department they're at has issued and see if they want to pull any of that back right away. 
And then they'll shift to a big focus in the first few months on personnel. They're going to be only looking at the career personnel to see if they want to make any changes there. You, you, you can't fire uh, career bureaucrats, except in incredibly rare exceptions, but you can move them to different roles. Um, and then you're going to be looking more acutely at the personnel that you want to bring into that department. And I'm, the Biden transition um, has a lot of very seasoned people. Uh, the Trump transition was not a, uh, much like the president, was not a normal or typical transition. And so personnel uh, lists and people that were wanting to go into that administration probably wasn't as robust a list as uh, most administrations come in with. And I think the Biden folks um, have a lot of people interested in coming in. So I think they're going to staff up at the mid and lower levels of the political appointees pretty quickly. Um, but the Senate confirmation process, which we can probably get into a little on this, I think will move. Um, rather slowly, uh, if not because of just the Georgia runoffs preventing the Senate from knowing who's going to be in the majority, uh, but also the very thin majorities and some hard feelings that I think some Senate Republicans have about how Democrats responded to some of the Trump administration nominees and the slowness with which that moved. So that'll be something to watch going forward. Well, as you can see, there's an awful lot of process here, um, and it's going to take take some time to slog through it. But But let's shift gears and Let's, let's look at some of the policy here. Um, Carmen Sita, you are a senior advisor to Democratic leader Chuck Schumer, certainly in the loop with Democratic priorities um, and, and keep in touch, close touch with senior Democrats in the Senate and, the, and a whole host that I'm sure are, are heading to the White House um, as staffers to fill some of those roles that, that Jeff just mentioned. So, so let's shift to the policy side and, and crystal ball it a little bit. Carmen Sita, can you talk to us a little about what, what President Biden's really going to focus on um, and what he's going to try to accomplish? We're going to do this in a couple tranches. Let's, let's look first at just those that first week, days one through, say, three, four, five. Thank you for the question, Brian. Uh, one, thing I, one thing President-elect Biden has been is extremely transparent about his policy objectives and desires. So on day one, um, the new administration will be focused, I believe, on righting the wrongs of the Trump administration in their minds. There will be a huge effort to reverse a number of executive orders and regulations starting on January 20th. There are things President Biden will be able to do with the stroke of a pen. He'll likely immediately return the U.S. to its global leadership role and prominence by recommitting to working with our allies and joining, rejoining important international bodies like the World Health Organization, which is really important as we're still in the midst of the pandemic. He's been very vocal about prioritizing rejoining the Paris Climate Accords. Uh, he will use his executive power to permanently end several of the immigration policies of the last four years that the party and many of the civil rights and humanitarian groups that they're aligned with view as having been racist or extremely destructive on a human level. So the new administration will likely move to end family separation at the border uh, very quickly um, and begin working on ways to try to, you know, reunite those 500 plus children with their parents and families. Biden has said he'll reinstate the DACA program. You know, he'll end the Muslim ban. Some of the things that the Trump administration did very early on in their administration I think they're going to be interested in rolling back immediately. And, and um, you know, I think there'll likely be, you know, additional rollbacks on the environmental um, side as well. 
Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Carmen Cita. Now let's put these two pieces together. You know, we've, we've talked a little bit about Congress and what they're doing. We've talked about President Biden and, and what he would do. So let's let's kind of merge it and expand on, on what Carmen Cita just said. And, and let's talk about the first bill that the president's going to ask Congress to consider. And, and you know, as a reminder, this is a this is a really important um, issue. You know, the, the timing and the, the method that this ask happens matters. Um, as a reminder, you know, four years ago, the Republicans, when who controlled everything, really debated what what the first bill should be. The, the result was ACA repeal and replace. It's a very complex and divisive issue that ended up exposing a lot of cracks in the Republican coalition and, and really set the tone for the remainder of Speaker Ryan's tenure. So with that, let's start with Carmen Cita, but then I want to hear from Nadim and Jeff as well here. Carmen Cita, what, what do you think the first legislative priority is going to be out of the gate? And, and when do you think we're going to see it? So I think you know, I mentioned all the things that President Biden will do on, on, you know, day one or in the first couple of days. But I also think, you know, it's really important to stress that their number one priority is containing the COVID virus, period. And so and we've already seen them assembling their teams and their task force. And so those folks are already working and I think they will go into high gear day one. So I think for the first 100 days, President Biden and his administration will be hyper-focused on developing and refining, implementing a national testing and tracing program, a vaccine distribution strategy, and a national mandatory mask policy, at least, you know, for the first three months. You know, while they haven't explicitly stated this, um, it is believed that, that the first legislative priority will also be COVID-related you know, I'm not sure of the timing, but I think it'll be pretty quickly um, that the first bill will be focused on securing funding to be able to successfully combat the virus and implement a lot of the things that um, they have outlined as their priority. Uh, it will likely include provisions um, to help states, which very likely um, won't make it into the package that's currently being negotiated or may or may not. The new administration is actively engaged with the governors and mayors across the country, you know, in all states, not in red states, not in blue states. So they're keenly aware of the challenges many are facing on the ground. The new administration will likely seek to provide additional relief to millions of American households and businesses. Uh, we'd expect some form of, of a tax package included. I also think there'll be a robust discussion about general economic stimulus similar to what we saw in 2008, maybe not at the same level, but I think ultimately proposals will be reviewed as, uh, and really uh, an effort will be underway to uh, determine what help the government can provide um, to stimulate the overall economy as we prepare to come out of the pandemic over the coming weeks and months. And one last thing I would say is that the administration will prioritize approaching all of these efforts in a very exclusive and equitable manner. Um, they really want to make sure that at-risk populations, communities of color that are not always um, acutely considered um, when taking these uh, policy approaches that they do at this time. And frankly, um, I believe that's their goal on all policy making going forward. And I think in terms of the, you know, the realm of possibility of getting this done, 
you know, that probably is more appropriate for Jeff because obviously uh, Mitch McConnell is, you know, key to what will move forward. But I do think that the first 100 days is the best time for President Biden to try and move a package of this magnitude. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think what I've been thinking about is, you know, fairly or unfairly, for the last 12 years, the Trump White House and the Obama White House have been subject to accusations from both Republicans and Democrats that they don't understand the Hill, that they don't understand how to work with Congress or they could be more effective. Joe Biden, as uh, people always remind folks, has been in Washington for 47 years, I believe it is. And so one would expect his legislative affairs uh, relationship with the Hill to be better than the one we've seen from the White House in, in, the, in the last 12 years. And so that'll be something interesting to watch because to Carmen Cita's point, regardless of what happens in Georgia, the margins are going to be the, the most narrow we've seen in, uh, as long as anyone can remember. And so I think getting things done is going to take a really deft strategic approach to hold the coalitions together that you're going to need uh, to get those uh, majorities. So I, I think that'll be really interesting in the first 100 days. I would say the Biden campaign was was very deft and very careful and didn't step on a lot of landmines in this Republican's view. Um, and that's largely why um, I think they were so successful. And so it'll be interesting to see if that approach uh, continues. So let me guide this a little bit, Nadine, before I, I know you want to weigh in here and you say, one, you know, am interested in your thoughts on on whether, you know, the last bill we have in this Congress is a COVID bill and the first bill of the next Congress is a COVID bill. You know, we'd book in it that way. And, and, and also, you know, let's let's look at this from our our client standpoint. What are we going to be telling them? How can they be engaged in this? You know, we have we have a series of, of priorities that are going to be un, unfinished here at the end of the end of this year that they're going to transfer. And, how are we going to help our clients kind of kind of get ahead of the game here and, and, and have some policy in place um, going into next year? Thanks, Brian. Um, and uh, look, I, I agree with Karm and, and with with Jeff, but but you have to take a look at the themes that the incoming administration um, is going to be focusing on. One is it's dealing with the virus. Two it's economic growth and three is is climate so the opportunity to to pass a covid relief bill is certainly there early on in the biden administration but i think the opportunity to tie that with an economic recovery economic growth package is also there um and then one thread that you have to watch for throughout the uh, the policies that the administration is going to be proposing both on Capitol Hill, um, working in a bipartisan way, certainly, and also uh, in a regulatory process is the economic justice, social justice, and environmental justice um, uh, views that uh, that they're going to be pushing. And, and they're going to have a muscular regulatory uh, regime going forward. So that's something that our clients certainly should uh, engage on and should be um, reviewing and should have every opportunity to to weigh in. That's uh, that is something that uh, that's going to come up fast uh, as soon as the administration takes hold. Um, in terms of what to tell them going forward, look, I mean these legislation, uh, these bills are complex, but you have to now 
as you approach them, you have to be, uh, you have to understand that the administration, that the incoming administration is different than the current administration. They're viewing this from the lens of, uh, like I said, economic justice, social justice, and environmental justice. So, uh, you know, unlike the previous administration, which was about uh, perhaps growth and and um, um, an opportunity, so uh, we have to be able to approach uh, the incoming administration with uh, the right talking points, with the right uh, proposals, uh, either to, for change or or for inclusion into any moving pieces of legislation. I agree 100% with Nadim. I also think that. Uh, this administration will be very collaborative and will want to hear from uh, people that have ideas. I think, again, their initial focus will primarily be on COVID-related health and economic issues. But I think over time, they will be you know, actively focusing on many other issues. And as Nadim said, so there will be an opportunity to work closely with uh, the regulatory bodies. I think that there will be a return to relying on experts and people on the ground doing the work in various fields. And even today, the Transitions Public Engagement Team is doing absolutely that. They are engaging with the public, private and nonprofit sectors. Uh, My understanding is that they will likely be forming working groups or commissions with experts. They are taking um, policy papers uh, and they are reviewing them and, and getting back to people and, and engaging on ideas and figuring out how to incorporate them into their policy agenda. So I urge clients that have ideas, policy solutions, technologies that they believe can help the country at this critical time um, to engage, 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 engage. Fortunately, at Bromstein, we're uniquely qualified to, one, help our clients package those ideas and solutions, and two, to get them in front of the right people to present them. So I, I think the, the overwhelming advice should be, you know, get your ideas together, uh, you know, get your policy solutions drafted um, in some short pieces, uh, not long kind of dossiers. Um, but start to prepare to socialize these ideas with the administration because they're listening and they're, you know, they're all ears. Well, with that, uh, I'm going to let Carmen Cita get the last word because I, I think that sums it up. Well, I mean, this is a crazy time, a busy time, lots of new ideas, uh, lots of rehashing of old ideas. Um, but certainly it is the moment to engage with both a new Congress and, and, a, and a new administration. So Nadim, uh, Jeff, Carmen Sita, thank you so much uh, for sharing your thoughts on this podcast. With that, uh, this concludes another Brownstein podcast series. Uh, but I have a feeling we'll be touching on these topics again in the very near future. So thank you all. Thank you for listening to the Brownstein High at Farbershreck podcast series. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Visit bhfs.com for more information.